0: This is American Crimes, and I am your host, Patrick Michael. Once again, we find ourselves in America where almost anything can happen, from your dreams coming true to nightmares becoming real. Welcome. So today, this being our first episode and all, I decided to pick something pretty strange, something I felt, you know, was interesting enough for myself to look into, and it did not take long, you guys. I found something pretty quick. At the same time, I was also trying to create some new uh, music for this show, you know, because this is still very much at its infancy. You know, we had just started this show, and I had to get some more music and transitions and all that fun stuff put together. You know, just to entertain you guys a little bit more, right? Well, either way, we're going to be looking at a really interesting case today, coming out of the huge state of Texas, and one of the biggest cities in Texas, if not the biggest, te- you know, biggest city in Texas. It is one of the biggest. Good old Houston, Texas, man. Good old Houston, Texas. I wish I knew right offhand, so I could give you guys a little intro into it. Uh, what all their Really famous for there, but we're going to get into all that, believe me, in this episode. I just want to reiterate to you guys what is actually going to take place and how we're going to do this, the format. Basically, basically what is going to happen is I'm going to give you a little insight as to what the crime was, and then I'm going to talk about where the crime took place, give you some background information about the city, uh, the general crime rates in that area uh, per the per the year, That this crime actually took place so for instance if the crime took place in 1985 then i want to know the crime rates right around that year at least within the the, you know five or ten years right and i'm also going to talk about the victims as well as the perpetrators and the final outcome of the case so we're going to go through all that right here right now and the first case is actually called the mary morris murders and this is a case that that actually happened back 18 years ago in the year 2000. So almost 19 years ago, and it's kind of strange to think about that being so long ago. You know, the year 2000 was that far far back, you know? Almost 20 years, you guys, that's crazy. But these uh this crime actually took place, like I said, in 2000 in Houston, Texas. And so far the most compelling thing about this in your mind is this Mary Morris person. She must be uh, pretty famous or significant or, you know, just highly toted around that area of Houston. But that's not the case, you guys. That's not the case at all. In fact, it remains to be even stranger, and we're going to talk about that all today. But first, let's dive into what Houston, Texas is about and what their crime rate was like back in the year 2000. (laughs) now houston texas is actually the most populous city in the u.s. state of texas and it is the fourth most populous city in the entire united states the census estimated popular uh, population of two point three million as of twenty seventeen it is the most populous city in the southern united states and on the gulf uh, gulf coast of the united states uh... located in the southeast texas near Galveston bay and of the gulf of mexico It is the seat of Harris County and the principal city of the greater Houston metropolitan area, which is the fifth most populous metropolitan statistical area in the United States and the second most populous state, most populous in Texas after the Dallas-Fort Worth MSA. So it's a huge city, like we had already said, huge. I did not know that it was the most popular, but that just shows you what I know. Not much, you guys, not much. At least about Texas, sorry. (laughs) <laughs> as of 2010 there's 50.5 percent white people uh 25.6 percent non-hispanic uh 23 23.7 percent are black or african-american 43.7 of hispanic or latino of any race and six percent asian so pretty diverse actually you know as of uh 2010 who could only Imagine what it's at over the last few years, but that is what I have right now. Um, As far as the general culture of Houston, uh, it's located in the American South. Houston is a diverse city, like I said, with a large and growing international community. The Houston metropolitan area is a home to an estimated 1.1 residents who were born outside the United States. That's awesome, right? That's pretty interesting to know. Uh, with nearly two-thirds of the area's foreign-born population from the south of the United States-Mexico border. Additionally, more than one in five foreign-born residents are from Asia. The city is home to the nation's third-largest concentration of uh, consular offices, representing 86 countries. Many annual events celebrate the diverse cultures of Houston, the largest and longest-running and annual Houston livestock show and rodeo, held over 20 days from an early to late March so they're down there doing their things man with the livestock you know rodeo all that stuff that you would kind of expect when you picture the south but it's not just all guys you know a bunch of white guys with cowboy hats on you know they got everybody there's a houston gay pride parade you know the houston greek festival the art car parade houston auto show bayou art festival city city art festival excuse me Uh, houston actually received the nickname of space city in 1967 because it is the location of NASA's Lyndon B. Johnson Space Center. That's awesome, right? That's a big that's a big deal to have down there. That just shows why that is such a, you know, culturally beneficial city, you know? A lot of people, a lot of uh interest in I would imagine space, right? Just the concept of uh what else is out there, man? And that's everybody who is interested in that doesn't define you by a race, you know. You can't say, "Oh, because I'm a white guy, I want to go to space." Everybody's interested in that. But another nickname for the city is also Bayou City, Clutch City, Crush City, Magnolia City, and of course, H-Town. That's what I know it most as, you know, probably like all of you, it seems to be a pretty common thing. You know, they have the Houston Theater District, of course, the Houston uh, Symphony Orchestra, a bunch of amazing art stuff out there, museum districts, the Museum of Fine Arts, Houston Museum of Natural Sciences, um... The Station Museum of Contemporary Arts, Holocaust Museum of Houston, the Houston Zoo. So you can imagine there is so much stuff to actually do in this place, man. It's such a big place. So many people, more popular than anywhere that I've ever lived in my lifetime (laughs) and uh, probably will always be. But uh, that's that's the general rundown of just Houston in itself and kind of what they uh, what they've actually consisted of and what they do. As of 2017, the things that you can probably expect if you were to live in Houston as of 2017. All right guys, so now we know a little bit about Houston and the benefits and the great things that they do, and all the specialties that you get from living in that kind of a city. You know, You can expect a lot of great things in that city. But let's let's really dig into what we, what we kinda came here for. Let's look at uh, Houston and the crime rates. And we're gonna look specifically at the crime rate back in 2000. So 18 years ago, we're gonna look back and see what it looked like, you know, as best we can as far as the criminal activity within this city. And of course, us being of logical mind, we can say for sure that these things are subject to change. You know, obviously over the many, many years the crime rates are going to change. The population is going to change. All things are going to change. That's why we want to specifically look at this year and around this year, just because we want to get a feel for kind of what was going on in Houston at this time that made, you know, this crime kind of go under the under the weather, right? Under the radar. That's the saying. Damn it. Okay, so the actual data that I have is from city-data.com. And it only goes as far back from me as 2002. So give or take two years within uh, the 2000 range when the crime actually took place. Uh, murders, actually per the 100,000 as of 2002 in Houston, Texas, were 256, which is 12.5%. Uh, rapes were at 892. Robberies, 11,212. Assaults, 12,598. Burglaries, 26,905. Uh, thefts 73,000 auto thefts 23,000 arson 1696 and that is all per the 100,000 which is obviously the you know the standard the median for the rest of uh, the United States so as of 2002 uh, it doesn't seem like there was a lot of murders but when you break it down to just one city being Houston 256 and the population being what it is as of 2017. You can only imagine that there was still a shit ton of people there <laughs> as of 2000. So as of 2002, only 256 murders is kind of low, I would think, which is a good thing, which is a good thing. But it also makes you wonder if that's the case, then why did this particular case not get noticed, not get, uh, you know, we'll find out soon. But, you know, there's some things that makes you question if there's only this many murders, why weren't they able to figure out who did this crime? You know, they didn't have any clues, right? And we're going to talk about that crime very soon. I'm just giving you guys the basis so you have some, you know, a ground floor as to what we're going into, you know, being Houston, Texas, the year 2000, the crime rate, murders and rapes, 892 rapes, 256 murders. So the numbers as of 2002 might have went down. They might have been more in 2000. I'm not sure. That's as close as we're going to get, so you can imagine it's somewhere in the 200 and 300 range which is not much so makes you question how the actual police department handled this and what we're actually going to come to find out at the end of this episode but right now let's hear a quick message from one of a one of my good friends what's up guys my name is Seamus and I host the podcast crime and movies this podcast is not about movies featuring crimes that would be weird this is a podcast about criminal behavior within the movie industry so tune in on your favorite podcast player, or of course, the usual Google Podcast, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, CastBox, and anywhere else that you enjoy your podcasts. Once again, I am Seamus, and I host the podcast Crime and Movies. Check it out right now. Just binge on some crime. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, I think it's time that we actually get into this, uh, this case here. We need to, uh, we need to figure this out. We gotta look into it, and it's time. It's time. It feels like it's time, right? So let's do this. We're gonna look into the Mary Morris murders right now. Now these, uh were actually two murders and they took place between october 12 uh, on october 12 2000 and october 16 2000 so only four days between each actual killing uh, on the morning of october 12 2000 48 year old bank loan officer mary loan morris said goodbye to her husband jay and left for work and was never seen again she did not answer his calls throughout the day and did not arrive at work At around the same time, a badly burned body was found in the smoldering remains of a car three miles from their home. The victim was later identified as Mary Lou. Because of the condition of the body, it was impossible to determine how she had been killed. There seemed to be no reason that she would have been murdered. Three days later, the body of a 39-year-old, Mary McGinnis Morris, was found in her car in nearly the exact spot under nearly the exact same circumstances. So do you understand what's taking place here? Over a four-day period, two women with the exact same names were murdered in the exact same way. Police actually began looking into the Mary McGinnis Morris's life. She was a nurse practitioner in charge of several clinics for a major, major industrial company. They found that she had actually feared a man who worked with her at the nursing job. Uh, one, e- one evening she found her office to be in disarray with, pictures, uh, with picture frames turned over. She also noticed that the man's desk had death to her written on it. She allegedly told her husband, Mike Morris, that she was very afraid of the man and that she wanted a gun for protection. After showing her how the gun worked, he placed it under the car's driver's seat. So she actually had a weapon in the car. I wonder if it was actually still there after uh, you know, they found the vehicle in the same circumstances at the, after, after the first Mary Morris. Uh, a few weekends later, though, uh, she met a friend, Lori uh, Gemmel, at the clinic to give her an allergy shot. According to Lori, she seemed fine. She claimed that she was going to stay a few more hours at the clinic, run a few errands, and then go home and make dinner. Later that afternoon... She made an alarming phone call to Lori. She said that she had seen someone in the drugstore that gave her the creeps. She said that she was going to return to work, sign off her computer, and head home. Twelve minutes later, she made a frantic 911 call. Now, the man that actually was creeping her out turned out to be a male nurse that she worked with, and he eventually becomes a suspect in her murder as well. But during this phone call... She was actually abducted and attacked by the assailant. She was found dead soon afterwards. And I do want to say to you guys that uh, I made a mistake. And they weren't found in the exact same uh, positioning. Basically, they weren't killed the exact same way. But it was pretty close. And a person on an ATV found the first Mary Morris in her car burnt. Uh, She actually was identified with a a tooth because she was so badly burned. Uh, the killer did try to stage the scene to make it look like the second Mary Morris had uh, committed suicide, so that was my mistake. Uh, investigators found blood on the passenger door, which was left open, and the keys were outside the car. Strangely enough, the first Mary Morris had her wedding ring removed, which is usually a sign of a hitman who has finished a job. Police actually suspected both the co-worker And her husband, Mike. Now, Mike claimed that he was at the movies with his daughter at the time of the murder. Although, he did refuse to take a polygraph test and he did not let his daughter be interviewed by the police. He also hired uh, an attorney shortly after the murder. Investigators actually learned that Mike and Mary were having problems with their marriage. Uh, Shortly before the murder, Mike confronted Mary about an alleged affair... Uh, investigators also discovered that there was an insurance policy on mary's life it was a total of seven hundred thousand dollars there was a second phone call to the police from some anonymous person saying that the first mary was an accident it was not supposed to be that mary type of deal Uh, finally investigators discovered that mike had called her cell phone around the same time that she was murdered the call lasted for four minutes they believe that that actually might have been him calling for the killer. He claimed that he called her, but she didn't answer. He also claimed that the four minutes was a mistake on the phone company's part, basically stating that they had the length of the phone call wrong. It, it should have been shorter, but how does that ever happen? Uh, some suspect that some suspect that due to the similarities in the two cases, a contract may have been put out on Mary McGinnis Morris' life but that the killer accidentally killed Mary Lou Morris and then later corrected his mistake. This theory was supported by a caller to a Houston newspaper who said that they had gotten the wrong Mary Morris the first time. How crazy is that? How crazy is it to think? Now imagine being somebody who had actually been there when this phone call was, re- you know, received, right? It seems, uh, seems like that would be very uh, intriguing information to receive, how, and it just makes you wonder why there wasn't we'll get to it uh, also Mary Lou, uh, Lou Morris's wedding ring went missing uh, which is a sign that she was it was a sign of a hit because the killer would take it back to the person that he had, that had hired him to hit this person to ensure that the person was actually dead uh, further supporting that this two Marys thing lived further supporting the fact that this was a, a hit was the fact that both these Marys happened to live in pretty close proximity to each other and almost looked the same However, the investigators claim that they had found no evidence to support the theory and believe that the murders may have just been coincidence. The victims' families, however, are certain that the cases are not coincidental and the cases remain unsolved. So that's my point. That's what I was getting to, guys. These cases are unsolved. That's crazier than anything for the simple fact that what was going on here, there was not even that much murder going on or taking place at this time in Houston. How did they not have the right policing in place to figure out at least one of these murders, right? At least one of them. There's no way that the, there was a lack of evidence in both situations. The first one, maybe because there was a huge fire, but the second one where it was supposed to be staged like a suicide, that means this person was touching all over that uh, the victim. That's crazy. That's crazy. And they do really look the same. And I'll post it, uh, I'll be posting it on Instagram through, uh, shame us media. You can find that over there. I'll post a picture of these these uh, women here, and you'll get to see how crazy it is that, how crazy the possibility is that they might have been fully just mistaken by the same man, and he ended up having to kill two people because he obviously got funds from somebody. Probably the husband, maybe the husband. Let's talk about the suspects right now. The male co-worker was an obvious suspect in Mary McGinnis Morris's murder. Along with the apparent death threat, he had left on bad terms, quitting his job after several failed attempts to discredit Mary. So basically, he had lost his job because of her, and then he tried to get his job back by uh, discrediting discrediting her. Uh, Investigators say that they may have evidence to link the co-worker to the crime. Uh, Her husband, Mike Morris, is another prime suspect. They are suspicious of the lack of cooperation, multiple motives, and and the four-minute phone call... That happened before the murder. Interesting. Interestingly, Mary's wedding ring was missing from her body. A few months later, a friend noticed that the Morris' daughter was wearing the ring. However, they claimed that they had found it. Now that's bizarre. That right there should be pointing fingers right directly at this person. How did you just find it? Why would she have just left it? But if the cases aren't related, which some investigators suggest, then there are no suspects in Mary Lou Mor- Morris' murder. However... Six months after the killing, her husband Jay received two thousand dollar in bills, two thousand dollars in bills for his wife's phone card, which detectives traced to a sixteen-year-old Galveston girl. And from my general knowledge of Texas, Gavelston is another pretty good-sized place out there. Uh, she told detectives, though, that she had actually found a purse with a phone card and other belongings the month earlier, sitting in a parking lot garage uh, at a Galveston convenience store. However, Mary Lou's family did not recognize the purse as belonging to her. Around the same time, Jay received three phone calls from someone asking for Mary. The caller remains unidentified, and it is unknown if they are connected to the case. So this, you know, now the guy, the husband's taking phone calls from somebody asking for his deceased wife. Very bizarre, and it just makes you want to point the fingers at at this husband even more. But it's even, the craziest thing is that Two women died for no reason, but one maybe more than the other just because, you know, there was a hit put out on her from her husband or whatever, what have you. Somebody was killed accidentally in that situation. Either way, it's all it's all twisted. But, yeah, this is a re- very strange case that I'm surprised it uh, wasn't more highly publicized. It seems like people have heard about it. But strangely enough, you know, this probably doesn't happen very often, if at all you know, that somebody with the same exact name who happens to be closely, you know, close living proximity and then all ultimately kind of look the same gets murdered because maybe the husband has something something to gain from it. I don't know. It's all very weird. All very weird. But uh, the first, the case first aired on uh, <clears throat> the June 17, 2002 episode. Uh, it was also profiled on... America's Most Wanted. So, this case was actually featured on an episode of Unsolved Mysteries back in 2002. I did not know that. I guess I did not watch Unsolved Mysteries in 2002. I would have been, you know, what, 14, 15, maybe? <laughs> Who knows? But either way, yeah, it was definitely featured over there and then on America's Most Wanted because it's unsolved, you guys. This has still not been solved. Even though they found the wedding ring. They found a phone card, they found a purse that had to have been, you know, one of the Mary Morris's items, you know, had to been, it just had to been, they found all this stuff and they still don't have proper evidence to close the case. So here we sit, but it just kind of shows you, you know, how we are as Americans and the strange crimes that we do. And then also the people that we put in, in control of trying to solve these crimes can also be a little bit inept, right? Very interesting but then, you know, (laughs) I just can't help but laugh at the fact that, you know, this person, if there was a person that was hired, you know, to do this murder, ended up killing uh, the the wrong person. It just makes you wonder, to be a fly on the wall in that room, what that conversation was like when he was like, oh man, that was the wrong one. That wasn't my wife. Like, that would have been, it's just crazy. Just crazy. Okay, now to get away from a little bit of the grim stuff that is this case and the murder and all of that stuff, the sad part that they are not, they have no justice, you know, they died horrifically, you know, it, my heart goes out to everybody that was involved in this whole thing because still not knowing the answers has got to be the hardest part. But getting away from this, getting away from the grimness, the darkness that we're in, I'm going to do a new segment, uh, a first-time segment that I've ever had on this show, because keep in mind, this is only the first uh, episode, so this is going to be a consistent segment. Hopefully, it goes well. And basically, it's going to be my take on, um, you know, Internet for Dummies. That's what it's going to be called, Internet for Dummies. And what it is, I'm going to go and hopefully, some of these cases have uh, somebody on YouTube that has made a video of some sort, whatever, what have you, you know, there might be other evidence and documentaries and stuff that I can look into, and there actually had, there was a video made for this, uh, this specific case because it has been featured on Unsolved Mysteries and all that, so it was a pretty high-profile case in 2000, and pretty strange that I didn't know no more, know more about it, and I can guarantee that the people in Houston probably know quite a bit about it, but this whole segment is going to be called, like I said, internet for dummies, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to read to you some of the most ridiculous comments on this uh, video called uh, Careless Hitman Who Killed Two Women Named Mary Morris. Uh, The video is put out by Crime Vault. and has 10,000 subscribers, so pretty prominent stuff there. This video has 5,000 views, uh, 63 likes, and 7 dislikes, and we're going to see what the people had to say about it in the comments here right now with Internet for for Dummies! Dummies. Welcome to the first installment of Internet for Dummies. And obviously the title of this segment is purely sarcastic because most of the people that are posting comments on these videos are the dummies indeed. Uh, There's only 13 comments because the video is not very popular, so we're gonna pop through all these, man. Uh, The first comment from a month ago says uh, it's from Bad is the name. It's a picture of Betty White as their default. Uh, this person says, that pic at 3.05 is from where? I really forget where that was from. I've seen that a million times. Now, oddly enough, the picture I'm actually looking at it right now, it looks like uh, Angus Young from ACDC. Just making a crazy demonic face. But uh, the people who actually made this video, put this video out, uh, Crime Vault actually says, uh, that's Patrick McKay. I have no idea who that is but uh, bad responded thank you very much so they were happy to get their answer there the next comment is from uh, that fit Asian three months ago it says uh, forget the murder that name alone uh, no, no, I'll read it exactly how they said they said forget the murder that name is a crime in itself so they apparently are not fans of uh, the name Mary Morris uh, then uh, Ricardo Morales says uh, when a pro is involved he is opportunistic he can kill this way that way either the killer was a town grown or he was from a neighboring town bar going person neighboring town bar going person one bar going person since he got the wrong person he obviously had to do his homework what is going on (laughs) Uh, Maria Sierra says I thought too about Sarah Connor not sure what that means uh Allison McGoff 3 months ago says I'd like to think it was just a coincidence but it's too odd not to link. And they responded to that saying uh definitely a rookie hitman that was from Crime Vault and Gravekeepers Ven82 says uh fax with two x's because that's how you spell it. Uh, Vampire with the podcast says somebody ought to give the, that hitman a bad Yelp review if they ever find him. And then uh, three months ago, Sarah Connor from nwo O N N O am not sure what that is, but they got six likes and they just said Sarah Connor. I'm not sure what this means. What is the Sarah Connor reference? I don't know. I'm talking something about Sarah Connor, but those are our... Uh, what I like to call the Internet for Dummies. Thanks for checking that out, guys. Sticking in, sticking with me for a new segment of the show. The first one. I mean, it's the first episode, so it's going to... Yeah, you get it. Internet, Internet for, for, for dummies. dummies. Well, guys, that is going to be our show, our episode, our first ever episode about the Mary Morris murders. A very strange case that took place, you know, a mere 18, 19 years ago. Not very long ago in the big, big city of Houston, Texas. Very interesting, man. Look into it yourselves. Apparently it was on a Unsolved Murders episode a while ago. 2002. 2002 or 2003 because this case remains unsolved. You know, our heart goes out to uh, both of those victims in this case. And hopefully you guys had a good time listening to this episode, man. I had a lot of fun making it and looking into this, uh, this whole situation here and i really did not know the outcome until i fed it to you guys as well so we both got to learn something new cuz i mean well at least me because i didn't know about this you might have known about it and that's why you probably checked this episode to see how detailed and thorough i was with the information but overall it's a very strange case man and i don't i don't see it ever coming to a close and that's a damn shame these women deserve justice but if you like this episode man Please get over to iTunes and leave a five star review. Say whatever you want, but you do have to say something. That means more than anything. You know, you have to say whatever. It doesn't matter what you say to me, but it matters to iTunes for some reason. And if we're going to get noticed and get more people listening to the show, that's all you got to do. And it's so helpful and means the world. Five star reviews on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, whatever, or, you know, just comment and leave a review wherever, you know, whatever your listening device of choice is. Leave a comment, review, because interacting with the listeners is so important as well. And I will definitely do that. I don't have any social media for this show right now, but it will be coming at some point, I imagine. It just depends on you guys and how much you really want to interact with this show and stay up to date with this show. So I guess we're going to see, you know, because this is the first episode. So best of luck to me, right? Fingers crossed. Thank you so much for listening and hanging out, man. As always, I am your host, Patrick Michael. Good night. Good day, good evening, good morning. Peace, love, and harmony.